You know, Pastor Dave mentioned something. Um, I came in here at March, and me and Pastor Dave probably had no clue what we were about to get into. Um, it's so weird to come into a youth group and say, all right, guys, we'll see you online for the next two months. Um, but God has been so, so good. It was kind of an awkward transition for me because I felt like I kind of knew the students. I kind of knew you guys from going through masters for three years. Um, and it was funny, we went to Myrtle Beach and we were in the hot tub doing a devotional. And I said, guys, it's kind of funny, right? Because you kind of feel like you know me. I kind of feel like I know you, but we both really don't know each other at all. And they're like, yeah, it is really funny. And we're so glad that we have the opportunity. And I you know, kind of that was what I said, and they're like, yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, but it has just been such a joy. One of the things that I started the video off was we're in a society today that is adamant against people standing up opposite to what the society thinks is right. But what God is telling us to do as a church is to begin to stand up for the things that he has said is right. We've been doing this standout series in youth group for the past month or so, and the heart of it is for the youth to see people in the Bible who didn't have the best environment, they weren't the most liked people, they weren't the most popular people, but they knew that they had to do the right thing. They knew that God called them to stand out and speak up against the wrongs of the society that they lived in today. And so what's been on my heart and what God has been speaking to me is standing out in love as the church. But what does that look like? What does it mean to stand out? Because I'll tell you what, it's going down, guys. It is going down. The past couple of weeks, I've been kind of paying attention to what this side, political side views, and what this other side views. Been paying attention to what's been going on around the major cities around us. I've just been getting super frustrated. I'm like, this is stupid. Right, this person thinks they're completely right. This person thinks they're completely right. This people think that there's no such thing as a law anymore. They could do whatever they want. And there's this constant back and forth. And I began to find myself getting really, really frustrated, really, really annoyed, really angry. And the Lord had to convict me. The Lord had to show me that, listen, just because they think what they're doing is right doesn't mean that God hates them. Just because what they view as the right way, the, the only way, does not mean that God's like, you're an idiot. I don't love you. It is not how God works. And so the Lord has been convicting my heart, and I began to ask the question, how would Jesus see these people? You have all these, these theories, all these things going on, and the question is, how would Jesus see these people? How does Jesus see the murderer? How does Jesus see... You know, I could, the list goes on. I'm not going to get into all of it. It's not, I'm not here to give a political message. I'm here to talk about the love of God. Amen. I'm here to talk about a love that transcends all wrongs that we could ever do. So Pastor Dave asked me to preach, and, you know, I was driving. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to talk on? And the word love came into my mind. And you guys ever have conversations with God? And I'm like, really, God? Like, Pastor Dave's been preaching about faith He's been given this mind-blowing just concept of what it means to walk in faith, and you want me to talk about what we talk about in kids' church? Like, love, God? What do you mean? And uh, immediately after those stupid words came out of my mouth, God's like, the great, the great Samaritan, the good Samaritan. And I, I've heard that story, and what happens in church is we hear the stories, the parables over and over. We learn them in kids' church, 
but sometimes we forget to just take them step by step. You guys ever do that? You read something you've heard your whole life, and it's not until you really focus in on it that you see what God's trying to communicate. You see the depth of the word of God that he's trying to bring to light. And so I read the story, and we're going to dive into it, but I was just like, how does Jesus view love? Because of he's talking about a good Samaritan who had compassion for someone that he knew nothing about. That is love, right? That is essentially what love means. And what does God and Jesus say about love? In Mark 12, 29 through 31, he describes it as this. This is the important, most important command. It says, listen, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other, no other command greater than these. But let me backtrack because I was talking about how God would see these people, right? I was talking about how God would see these people that you think were just completely wrong, that are doing completely the wrong thing. And I was reminded in Ephesians 6.12 says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. So my question today is, what do we do with that information? If our battle is not against flesh and blood, what do we as the church, who are supposed to love the way that God intended for us to love, how are we supposed to react when we see someone do something completely wrong? Do we get mad at the person or do we get mad at the spiritual forces influencing the person? Do we tell them you're so wrong and that's not right or do we get on our knees and begin to pray and say, Lord, give them liberation against the forces that is influencing them? And so the Lord just blew open my mind because if we are gonna walk the way that God wants us to walk, we are required to renew ourselves daily. Romans 12 talks about renewing yourself daily, getting in the word of God. Because if we're looking at injustice with only human eyes, we're missing the opportunity to minister God when we're looking through God's eyes, right? And so back to love. Jesus defines love as loving your neighbor as yourself, and there's no greater command than these. See, that verse is a foundation of what God expects us to love, right? You say, how does God expect Christians to love in society today? He expects you to love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you guys, I remember growing up, I heard that story, that, that verse, and I told my mom, okay, so I just got to love, you know, old Ann, he used to yell at me for hitting my sister with the pool noodle next door. That's what it means to love my neighbor. Or, you know, my, my, my brother's best friend, Bobby, who always sat on me until, you know, maybe I cried. I just have to love him. Okay, mom, that's easy. They're my neighbors. But he's not talking about just people who are adjacent to the house you live in. He's not talking about just people that maybe they're kind of likable, but they're not really unlikable. He's talking about every single person. He's talking about each person that you come across. And we see that in this parable of the Good Samaritan. See, in Luke 10, where the story of the Good Samaritan is found, Jesus is talking, and this lawyer gets up, this expert in the law gets up, and he asks Jesus, how do I attain eternal life? What a loaded question, right? So 
what a loaded question. If maybe put yourself in, maybe you're not Jesus, but you're one of the disciples, and someone asks Jesus that, and you're like, whoa, this is about to get really serious. And Jesus says, repeats to him the same thing we just learned in Mark, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and also loving your neighbor. That's how you attain it. But the lawyer didn't just like take it for face value. Oh, okay. He wanted to prove to others that he's going to have eternal life, right? So he said, all right, so who then is my neighbor? Because if Jesus told him the answer that he wanted, then everyone could look at this lawyer and say, oh, yeah, I've seen him love that person. Wow, that dude's going to have eternal life. That is so awesome. But Jesus just replied, and he gave him this parable, and this parable is so profound. I want to dive into it. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled him, leaving him half dead. You know, the commentary, the scribes, the scholars believe that this man was a Jewish man. And you might be like, why does it matter what type of man he was or what his background is? It matters because the two people who ignored him in the parable that we're going to read, you'd think would have felt an unction, a burden to tend to his needs. It says in verse 31, a priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by the other side. Know what the priest was responsible for doing? Knowing the commandments of God, right? So if he knew the commandments of God, he would have knew the commandment that says, love your neighbor as yourself. But why is it that the priest just passed him by? You continue reading, in the same way a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. Excuse me? A Levite back in the Old Testament was responsible. They were viewed as the priests. They were viewed as the people who were to bring the offerings to God. So you think they would know a little bit about the commandments, right? You'd think they'd know a little bit how Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, but they kept on walking. It wasn't until a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. In those times, a Samaritan was someone who was half Jew and half Gentile. A Samaritan, it's said that Samaritans had their own separate view of uh, the religion. It wasn't just Judaism. It wasn't the same thing. They were described sometimes as arch enemies. So the two people whose responsibility was to tell the Jewish people to love their neighbor as themselves ignored the man in need. But it was the one man who had total different religion who actually ended up showing him the compassion. See, he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse, oh, sorry. The next day, he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? What a question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Ironically, it was the man who was nowhere close, right? It wasn't the man who, who was in the same belief system. It wasn't the man who, who believed in the same commandments. It was the man who had no rightful way to be a neighbor 
but he chose to be a neighbor. It was the man who saw opposition in what this man stood for, a Jewish man, but he still loved him anyway. And, and I believe, if you guys want to know my opinion, it doesn't matter much, but I believe what happened was the priest and the Levite came across this man, and they didn't know what his background was. They weren't there to see the man robbed, and all they knew is if they helped this man, he might bring trouble upon them. All they knew, if they helped this man, who's to say that he didn't bring it upon himself and try to rob someone and then got beat up? But it's not completely important what I believe. Jesus asked the question, out of these three, which one was the neighbor? See, they both had a responsibility. Christians today have a responsibility. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. But just because you have a responsibility doesn't mean it's gonna be the easiest thing to do. The, the man had to bandage his wounds. He had to put olive oil over his wounds, put him on his own animal and walk him to an end. Something had to come out of his pocket to pay for the other person at the innkeeper to take care of them. There is sacrifice in love. There is sacrifice when you get out of your realm of influence, what you got going on, and you say, I'm gonna make it about their realm of influence, what they have going on in their life. And that is truly what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. See, in that day, I read the Jews viewed that verse, love your neighbor as yourself, to mean other Jews. They viewed it meant, in that pertaining, their Jews, um, the neighbor was the people who were just like them, the people of their area, the people of their religion. But Jesus' point of the parable was, if you really love God, you will also love your fellow man. You will show neighborly love to everyone in need or help, no matter where they come from, no matter what they look like, no matter what they believe in, no matter who that person may be. It says, then you will not theorize as to who is your neighbor like the lawyer asked the question, or who is not, but you will see your neighbor and everyone with whom you may come in contact with. So I'm not here, I'm not here to call us out. I'm here to open our eyes where it's really easy to love people we like. Man, it's hard to love people who get on your nerves. It is hard to love people that you completely disagree with. But if God has asked us to be known by our love, like Pastor Connie said when the Lord spoke through her, if God has asked us to stand out in love, it's gonna take some sacrifice in us. It's not always gonna look in forms of, I gave them this much money and this is how I loved them, or I bandaged up their wounds. Sometimes it's gonna mean sacrificing our pride. Sacrifices, man, I really don't agree with who you are, but I'm gonna help you. Because Jesus didn't care who you were. Jesus didn't care what your background was. Jesus saw you, saw the need, and said, I'm gonna love you no matter what. And I wanna really focus in on this, this battle is not up against flesh and blood because that's what the news has made it. News has made it these people and these people. These people are wrong, these people are stupid, these people are wrong, these people are stupid, but we are in a spiritual battle, church. We are in a spiritual battle. We came in in March. I never thought that I was gonna have to pastor in a pandemic. 
I never thought I was gonna have to try and make Zoom fun when it's really not. Why? Because there is a spiritual battle. This coronavirus is a spiritual battle. There is a reason why the church is being targeted and it's not just for us to say this is wrong, we're taking you to court. It's for us to get on our knees and begin to pray and say, God, give us love for the people who persecute us because they aren't looking for us to be right. God is looking for us to show love. God is looking for us to stand out and say, I don't care what is happening. I'm going to be known for my love and not my, you shouldn't do this. This isn't right. I'm going to be known by my love, a love that surpasses anything that could go wrong. I'm going to have my helpers come up. I'm going to do an illustration here, and uh, they're going to help me out. So Zion, Aubrey, Dawson, and Micah. And so... Something I learned with Pastor Connie's classes, when we were in Master's Commission, there was Romans, and we had this poster on the wall. And, and I'm gonna kind of elaborate on that, but we're gonna have Dawson come up, and he's gonna stand right here. Yeah, and so Dawson's gonna represent someone who's lost in the world. Dawson is gonna represent those people who don't know what love means those people who don't know what's wrong or right because they only know what they know, right? You didn't know what was wrong or right until God came into your life. So if we wanna put lost to the world, Aubrey on Dawson, then we'll get him chained up. So what happens is, as the church, as we see this, we see these lost people. We see these people who have done the, the most cruel things, the worst things that we could ever imagine and as humans, what happens is we get caught up in our humanity. We get caught up in what we view as right. We get caught up in what we view as justice. And, and we so easily forget exactly how God views it. So Dawson's chained up. We're going to blindfold him also. If you want to blindfold him, Micah, I'll got you. So, really fun illustration. You don't have to look at anybody. Uh, here. You got Abriana. She is helping us here. Zion represents God's love. So, in this illustration, we have God's love, the lost person. Then these chains represent sin. So, before we realize it, we're, we're focusing on these people who are lost, we're focusing on these people who think they're doing what is right, but really they're chained by their sin. They're blinded by what they don't know. They're blinded from not knowing the Father, and that sin comes in many forms. It comes in forms like hatred. So she's going to stick all these different forms on hatred. They, they get so caught up in what they view as right, if someone opposes it, they hate them and everything that has to do with them. They're blinded by their sense of moral justice because that's all they know. All they know is what they know and nothing about God. They're blinded by their perversion. Their perversion comes in many forms, but it strews what's right into the things that they like. It strews, it changes forms into the things that make them feel good. Then lastly, they're blinded by their injustice. Their injustice that they, they say is justice, but they know nothing about justice because it's based off of human standard. It's based off 
of their convictions or how they view life and it's not based off of what the Bible says or what God has commanded right or wrong. And so we as the church at times, we look at these people and they're lost and we look at these people, guess what, they're in the government. Guess what, they're in the stores around us. Guess what, they're in our family members. And if we're not renewing our minds daily, we're seeing them for their sin instead of seeing them for the lost person that they are. And so we let these things build up in our hearts and we say that we love God, God, sorry, but we don't act out in that love. Because know what love would do? Love would approach them and care for them and not flame them on Facebook or anything like that because love meets no bounds. Love has no boundaries. Whether you've messed up or not, God's love's intention is for you to see him and that he cares for you and that he forgives you. I'm not saying that we just always give a blind eye for injustice. I'm not saying if someone's full of hatred, we don't approach them and talk to them. Don't get me wrong, God is a just God. But if you're gonna quote that he's a just God and leave out his love, we're missing the picture of what it means to be a Christian today. Because if it wasn't for his love, we wouldn't know what's right or wrong. If it wasn't for his love, we would not know how to walk out in freedom because it was his love, the sacrifice, Jesus coming down to earth to wipe away our sins that gave us the freedom to not walk like this. So you have people like Dawson, as an example, he's not into all this, okay? Uh, We have people like Dawson who are blinded, and it's up to us to show him God's love. What happens as you show him God's love, Zion, if you have the key over here, You show them God's love and the key to set people free, the key to change the way that the society is going is for us as Christians to stand out and use God's love. Go ahead, put the key in there. And as you share God's love, and that's not just solely, hey, God loves you. That's not, hey, you know, you're a big sinner, God loves you, repent. God's love works in many different ways. And before you know it, as you pray, as you see these people who are just tied down by injustice, you see these people who are just struggling with perversion, as you begin to pray and say, God, I can't do it on my own, you begin to see the chains that once held them down no longer have hold because God is in their life. Because God has given them liberation and where they were blinded before, now they can see because God. You guys are good. Thank you so much for helping me. And so, it's simple, but God gave us the example of this. When Jesus is taken and he's brought before Pontius Pilate, what happened? He was innocent, he did nothing wrong, and Pontius gave the people, the Jewish people, a choice. Do you want to set this man free who's innocent or kill Barabbas or set Barabbas free who's a serial killer? What'd they do? They chose Barabbas, right? They chose Barabbas. They let their own blindness make the decision to kill an innocent man. But doesn't say that Jesus just said, how dare you? I can't believe you. You're so wrong. None of that happened. He silently went through the torture. 
He silently took every beating, every rod, everything so that why we could be free. What is the example of how Jesus sees the soul and not the sin? What does he say on the cross? Lord, forgive them for they know not what they have done. So church, we have a choice this morning. We have a choice where we love despite the wrong. Where we love despite someone taking actions that are so against who we are as an individual, will we still love them? And maybe some of us, we're, we're men and we're like, oh, love, I love my wife, I love my kids, that's about it. Maybe, maybe some of us were like, you know, I'm not this real gushy person, like, oh my gosh, I love you so much, you're so great. No, that's not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about a love that fights for others. You fighting for others doesn't always have to be in person. Why? We're fighting against not flesh and blood, but we're fighting against powers of darkness. We are fighting against the enemy, Satan. And what he does, just like we saw Dawson, what he does is first, he makes them think that it's okay. So these people that are so lawless, they didn't just happen like that. They weren't just born and like, I'm gonna screw up society. That's not how it works. What happens is they don't encounter the love of God at a young age. What happens is they don't know that the things that change their life is forgivable. They don't know that the trauma they went through can be healed because they don't know a loving father. They don't know a loving God. They've been lied to by Satan. They've been influenced. The things that felt good at the time, just do it a couple more. The, oh, no, you get to decide what justice is, it's okay. And so these lies have changed the way they view others, changed the way they viewed society. But what is the church doing today? How are we standing out in our love today? Are we known by our judgments or are we known by our love? Are we known by our grace or are we known by our unforgiveness? And I, I'm not talking Ashboro First Assembly. I'm talking about the church as the whole. I'm talking about the bodies of believers who proclaim they're Christian, but we are really struggling loving for people that we hate. Praying, sorry, for people that we hate. It can't be that way. And it's not gonna be easy, y'all. You can't see someone get murdered in front of you and just instantly go to the person who murdered them. Oh, I love you so much, God, it's so good. Because you are human. You are not gonna be able to do that by yourself. We can't do it in our own power. God's love is a love that human comprehension almost can't even comprehend because it sees past the wrong. It sees past the past hurt, but it's only when you let God through you. It's only when you say, God, I'm really struggling today. I need you to show me how to forgive. I need you to show me how to love them despite this. And it's only gonna come from God. A pastor can't tell you the formula of how to love so-and-so. God has to. It has to come from your, your relationship, your intimate time when you cry out and say, Lord, I am so upset why this is happening, but I need you to show me with your eyes what I can do in this moment. 
I need you to show me with your eyes how I can stand against the forces of the enemy and proclaim that they will not take this person. It's through the love of God shining through you. See, we will truly love our neighbor, meaning anyone we come across despite their walk of life, like we would love ourselves, how God would love them. See, it's kind of a, a, a short but sweet sermon, but what I'm trying to say is we gotta stand out, church. Spectator church isn't, it's not doing too well if you can't notice. Us just spectating and voicing our thoughts and our opinions is not doing the way that God intended us to do because God intended us to be conquerors. God intended us to be able to stand up for what is right and say, I'm drawing the line in the sand. Satan, you will not get past this area. We are proclaiming Ashboro a place of your love. We're declaring Ashboro a place where Jesus is known, not just by miracles and the Holy Spirit, but by the love of God being poured out to people who have no clue what it means. We've heard prophecies over and over about how this church is going to have people lining out the doors. And I believe today what God is saying, and that's going to happen, but it's going to happen also with the love of God pouring out. God intends for this church not just to be a church where people come and feel good, but a church where people feel loved. Where people feel like, I may have just drank before I got here, but I know that I'm loved and that God wants to help me stop. But it's going to come from us choosing to love despite how we see them. It's going to come from us walking downtown Ashboro and seeing the homeless people and them approaching us for money and say, hey, money I don't have, but a relationship with God I do. And he doesn't intend for you to struggle like this. It's going to come from us, the church, stepping out of these four walls and not just loving in word, but loving in action. Not just the things that make us feel good, because, yeah, I've done that before, but the things that make us uncomfortable. you got to remember the story of the Good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite probably felt a little uncomfortable having to attend for a guy who's half dead. What do you do in that circumstance? If he's bleeding a bunch, you're about to go do sacrifice in the temple or whatever, and you're like, man, I'm going to go with blood on me already? What did you do, kill somebody? So they had to accept to be uncomfortable. The good Samaritan had to accept with maybe he doesn't believe or stand for anything that that Jewish man stood for, but he was gonna let himself, let himself see beyond that and get uncomfortable to show him the love he deserved. Because we're all people. None of us have been perfect. None of us have ever not made mistakes. So worship team, you can come up. See, it's time for the church to stand out in love. It's time for the church to be known by what? Their love. By their love. How does Jesus love? How does Jesus love? In John 13, 35, Jesus is praying and he says, by all people, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all people, no matter what background, no matter what their stance is, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
but it's going to take God. To stand out in the love that God has for us, it's going to take God. Why? Because as human beings, we don't really like standing out. Some of us do. Some of us like the spotlight, but some of us like to just stick your head down, right? You don't want to make a scene. Kids go into high school. They're real nervous. What do parents tell them sometimes? Just, hey, just stick your head down. You know, don't act up the first day. Get to know your teachers first. Then you can be crazy. But God's asking us to stand out. God's asking us to not just live in a place of comfortability where we love the neighbors that are good. Mm, that's a lot easier. But we start to love the people that maybe aren't so good. We start to love the people that, man, we really just can't stand. So what I want to do today is with every head bowed and every eye closed, <clears throat> maybe you're hearing this today and maybe online as well. You're hearing about a love that doesn't see your, your problems a, a, a love that maybe you know you've made mistakes before, but now this love saying, I don't care about the mistakes. I care about you as a person. Now, if that's you today, and maybe you're in this room and you're just saying, wow, I want that love. It's between you and God. It's not about who sees you. It's between you and the one who loves you no matter what mistake you've done. Today, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. And if you have that, raise, that hand raised, whether it's at your home or here in the building, I want you to just repeat after me. Because this is all it takes to walk in the love that God has for you. All it takes is a public confession and so just repeat after me and say, Lord, I know I've made my mistakes. Lord, I know there's been times I haven't chosen you. I know there's been times when I've actually chosen to do the exact opposite of what I know you've asked me to do. Lord, I just ask for forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I accept you into my heart. And Lord, I thank you that you raised from the dead in three days, God. Lord, help me walk in relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Some of us, maybe we've been going to church our whole lives. Maybe we know the word and we've been walking in the word, but we're kind of looking today and we're saying, wow, maybe I haven't loved the way that God's intended. Maybe we can kind of go over in our ha house our past interac interactions with whether people online or our past interactions with those people that we know and we can kind of really see, wow, did I look at the sin or did I look at the people? Did I look at the chains or did I look at the soul that God wanted to impact? And so today, if you're in the room and maybe you're like, yeah, this is a pretty simple sermon, that's okay, because God wants to move. And so maybe today you're asking the question, have I been loving the way I was supposed to? Have I been loving in a way that stands out among the unlawlessness? Has my love abounded that or has my love just kind of been a spectator? The Lord wants to move today. And so what I'm gonna do is, I'm not gonna have an altar call, uh, but I want you to ask the question, 
think sometimes we, we depend on the, the pastor to tell us what to do, but I believe the Lord wants to show you what to do. And I believe the Lord wants to be the one who, who fills up your jar and shows you to, how to truly have compassion for those people that you know you got to, but it's been real hard. So I'm gonna just pray, and then Becca's gonna sing this song. But just ask the question while I pray, just, Lord, show me how can I stand out in my love to those I talk to? Lord, Lord show me how, how can I, I make a difference to those around me by the love and the action that can come out? So Father God, we just thank you, God. Lord, I just thank you that your Holy Spirit's in this room. Lord, I thank you that you spoke through Pastor Connie about what we were gonna talk about today without her ever even knowing. Because Lord, your heart today is for us as a church to grasp what it means to love our neighbors. What it means to love people despite the sin that they're chained by, but love their soul that you want to save. So Lord, I pray as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you show us the areas that we haven't been loving. Lord, show us the areas where maybe we let our own human moral compass tell us the words or actions that should come out of our, our mouth and out of our body. And Lord, show us what you wanna do instead. In the name of Jesus, amen.